and gentlemen, welcome back to A Hoops Journey. This is someone who, behind the scenes for me, as the young people would say, has been my plug into uh, getting some of our guests on the women's side from the national team, which has been um, greatly appreciated. A guy who I have known probably longer than I want to admit, because uh, <laughs> that would qualify us as both being quite old, although when he hopped on uh, to the Zoom, I was quite offended at how little he's aged compared to me. Um, but, uh, a guy who we have a story that goes way back to the Brandon days, which is kind of fun. And then a, a gentleman who's really, you know, taken a real huge leap into the coaching world. Um, a U sport CIS, I believe at that time is, is mm -hmm. what we would have yeah. called it. Um, multiple, uh, national title appearances or uh, nationals appearances, sorry. Um, and then someone who's kind of been a jack of all trades for our, our women's national team program from, you know, head coaching U18s at, at AmeriCups and uh, being a part of the senior team as an assistant. And so uh, just a really great story. And for anyone out there who's aspiring to be a young coach in Canada and maybe feeling like there's roadblocks or certain things and pathways and that, that are hard to take, this is a guy who's maybe like literally seen it all. And I'm thrilled to have this uh, this gentleman with us. We have none other than Mr. Steve Bauer with us today. How are you, sir? Oh, I'm great. Thank you for having me. I think, yeah, you you nailed it. Our time back to Brandon made this like um, really <laughs> cool to reconnect and a chance to share some of this. I mean, I, I think of those days often, especially when I think of like my story or how my path has gone and how important that was in the formative years. But, you know, that's when we first connected and here we are full circle. Yeah, it is wild, man. And and um, I don't know, like you were, we were just saying offline here, like how respectfully, how small the basketball community really is, right? And that there's just, there's only a few layers to it. There are lots of people involved, but it's really like we're all kind of intertwined and connected. And and I think your story is so good because the thing that I appreciate about you and, you know, you and I sort of, I, I was done playing at Brandon, but just sort of observing, you know, those times and sort of just, just always a stand-up good dude and, uh, you know, being, res <laughs> being respectful and treating the game well and people well. I noticed that in you early on. And so it's no surprise that you've been able to kind of take your skill set, develop that as the X's and O's, but also make connections and build because of who you are, right? And I think that's um, one of the huge takeaways that, that I know I'm going to take away from today, so... Oh, I appreciate that too. That's, that's a nice compliment. I'll take that as well. I think it's been, it has been, I've had a, I think everyone's path is always a little unique. And I think um, for me, that has certainly been a big part of like getting started and not that I would say I'm a good guy, but I think just <laughs> finding some spaces where you can fit in and not overstepping has allowed me to get quite a vast experience in basketball throughout the country has to offer. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, in some ways I was, I felt like a little, um, later coming to like the the love for coaching than maybe some others have which I, I always thought was kind of fun too when I look back on it like as a my real early days I don't think basketball was my my primary sport when I was growing up we played a little bit of everything and mm -hmm. I think as I got to an age where you start picking your sports that you think are the ones where you're dedicating your time I was more into like lacrosse and and triathlons which I guess means you just like exercising so that was like the mm -hmm. The, the path that I was on. And it was actually like after college before I really got into to basketball. So mm -hmm. it wasn't much longer. And then we had started yeah. to cross paths and, and then things just kind of went, went from there for me. Yeah. And let's chat a little bit more about that. Like I yeah. had a little giggle listening to you talk, you hear the part, right? So you still got a little bit of the Scotia in you, right? For those that don't <laughs> know, and a Nova Scotia boy and um, talk about your, just your upbringing. And yeah, like, I mean, 
why triathlons, why lacrosse? Were there other outside influences? What is it? What was it? What the buddies were doing? And, and, um, and I think it's cool because we've had many people on the show who, you know, some people just got locked into hoops at, you know, five, six, seven years old and committed to the game then. And some people didn't start till they were in grade 12 or whatever. Right. And I, and there's no right or wrong time, but I think that just makes your story that much more unique. So talk about yourself as a, as a young buck. Yeah, this, that, it was a cool transition because I think there was um, probably most of us start usually with like a family persuasion or family interest <laughs> influence what you're doing. And for myself, it was baseball. Like that was what my my father played. And he still played it when I was a, a kid. And I think those things draw us to places. So you'll hear a lot sure. of like um, coaches, kids are in the gym early because it's basketball families and that either draws a love or maybe some cases pushes some people away, but sure. Yeah. yeah whatever the case may be. But for me, it, I was on, on the baseball diamond. I, I, I loved it growing up. That's what we played all the time. But to your, I think you nailed it as you know, as you, as you grew older, it was harder to just play baseball casually. You can't just go play pickup baseball. Um, and that's where mm-hmm. lacrosse came in for me. A lot of my friends were more hockey types, which is I feel terrible as a Canadian. It was just never my main thing. I didn't like being on the, on I don't even ice. know how to skate, man. I'm yeah. with you. My son went to a camp last week for Christmas break. And the, the one day they went skating and I was like, oh, this would be interesting because he's never stepped on the ice before because yeah. we've never taken the skating, right? Like <laughs> most anti-Canadians ever. Eh? But yeah. Like basketball people and hockey people just don't, they, they yeah. get along, but they don't have the same skill sets. Like you watch hockey guys play basketball, you watch basketball people skate and it's, they yeah. just don't mix. Yeah, they don't. <laughs> so, so because my crew was hockey people, I played lacrosse. That's something they did on ground. And I was more into like warm weather, which was great. And and <laughs> I think the triathlons was the thing I did in the winter. I enjoyed staying indoors <laughs> for yeah. staying active. So those two things kind of pushed me through. I played through through college um, and trained through college and into those spaces. But um, and, and ran a bit, like I raced a bit in triathlons when I was done. That was probably a thing that I was still, um, enjoyed as like a hobby or spent a lot of time while this I guy, was. This guy called triathlons a hobby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it's fantastic. tell you a little bit about me, like my personality, I, I wasn't a strong swimmer. I could swim, but it was mm. my weakest part. So I would spend, I committed to going daily to try and fix this leg of my, my race, but Anyway, all just to say, like, this is how I, I filled it in my youth. Those are the ones that had more interest for me. And I, I, I love sports, but I think at that age, hobbies is how I saw a lot of them. I was on a, on a different path. I went to school and was focused on whatever was going to happen with the rest of my professional careers. Yeah. And what was that? So you went to university and, you know, you finished the high school years or whatever, decide where you're uh-huh. going to go. What What is your academic interest there? Um, yeah. He's, smirk, he's smirking, so... <laughs> <laughs> well, this is where it takes the, well, this is where the turn became really fun for me. I went through yeah. college and I finished, I was going to be a tax accountant. I finished with both my, uh, the requisites to get into like your CA, it's a CPA now, I believe, but at the time it was a CA and that's the route I was going, had the job at a, at a firm. And um, I also had my computer science. So I was getting ready to kind of, I, I, in my dream at this time, this is sounds so terrible, but no. I was getting ready to go into like tax accounting and help develop like systems that would automatically create these things for people. This is my pull trying to go to the accounting firm. So mm-hmm. I had that job. I had that job. And I was uh, on my first like sites logging my hours before I got pulled away for basketball. But that's the stage where I was in my life before basketball really um, got the got the hooks on me. So I was and how old, um, how old are you at this point? 
finished college. So let me try and do some of my math here, about 22, 23. And okay. I think at that time, I'd never thought of it as something that I was going to do. Um, I had even coached some of my peers, some of my friends in hockey at that time, and also had not been pulled in by coaching either. Mm-hmm. I just was, I was ready to go into the exciting world of tax accounting, which people are always drawn to. <laughs> 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 but, I love it. Yeah, there I was. And, you know, the transition for me came like um, really innocently in that I actually had a friend who called me to to say, you know, I, he just got a new job. He was a writer. So I think he switched newspapers at the time. And he said, I can't meet my volunteer commitments to coach a basketball team. It's like eight year olds. I said, no problem. I can fill on that one night a week. And this is actually how it started for me. And I won't lie and say that team pulled me in right away either. I, I saw mm-hmm. that as a really fun opportunity to to give back and enjoy something that I enjoyed at that age as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but what happened after the first year was where it really started to turn for me is um, the the organization at that time in our community didn't have teams. They has this is one team that this family, because one kid had an interest in playing, and I'll come back to that kid later. But they had put this team in. So I was like, Oh, I'll help get it organized. I was almost like more admin in basketball Mm -hmm. this time too. Like, yeah, let's start a minor basketball system here and we can join the Halifax system and we'll have a bunch of teams. And so are you, are you in your hometown at this point or have you, have you moved out? No, I'm still still hometown. Yeah. Yeah, Just like, again, like not, not much going and, um, and basketball wise, but this is the, where it turned for me because what happened that next year is, in my mind, I was like, I did a great job. We got this organization running. We're all going to be in. But I forgot the whole process of getting and recruiting coaches for all these teams. So we had like 12 teams running in our first year. And I was coaching like eight of them. So I was like, whoops. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it did, it did two things. <laughs> it, that, this is the year that it really pulled me in. I, I, I thoroughly just enjoyed the, the people. Just mm-hmm. being part of that with all these different ages. And how different is this? A lot of us know in coaching how different it is coaching six and seven year old men or women and our girls or boys and then coaching, you know, 15, 16 year olds. You're like just the whole dynamics of what you're trying to teach and how they function as individuals and teams is so different. And I found that so um, intriguing. It just really pulling me in. And uh, I, I didn't I, I would not have wished for all the eight teams again, but this yeah. was for sure the part <laughs> that got me like into it. And I was seeking people to talk to me about you know, what are you supposed to do with six-year-olds like versus like these 16-year-olds? Like you don't do the same things, obviously. So what's happening in their development? So I really um, got pulled into just trying to figure out what the role was of a, of a coach and, and loving the connections I was making with the people involved at that time. So it seems like maybe it's the accountant brain, but like you really like early on, it seems like you enjoyed the process of things. Like I, I see this, what I have at the start, but how do I get it to improve, right? You know, yeah. and then and then analyzing it like, and you are correct, right? A six or seven year olds as opposed to a fifteen year old, they're in such different places. So it sounds like you kind of had that process brain for it. Does that make sense? What I'm saying? Yeah, totally. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. And it, and it didn't. And that, and I think it's it it helped shape me. And you mm-hmm. know, when I look back at these these pieces, because you have to have so much more awareness now of what's happening at these different levels. And I mean not to jump around too much, but if I look back at my current role with like the national federation, and this is a conversation we're trying to have with people all the time, 
And I've been fortunate to like live what it looks like these different stages of athletes careers through my own experiences, which is kind of, I'm sure many people have, but I don't know that many people um, within our country have had the same as me, like right from them as an Olympian or in their professional Mm -hmm. careers, all the way down now, six years old was where I I started with some of these groups. So it was kind of fun to touch all these spots. Mm -hmm. And I think, and I think in the end too, gives you an appreciation, right? Like I, I've been doing the senior boys for 18 years now at my school, right? And I'm dying for someone to step in and then maybe I can do grade eights and then just have a whole new perspective, right? Just just that totally. that four age, four year age gap will change everything and how I approach it, right? And then and I think that's probably how you have been able to just really develop and shape your craft because you've sort of seen it all, where like you make a good point. A lot of people start in college and they stay in college and then they get a university job and it's the same thing. It's kind of young men and women. It's not, it's not the grassroots yeah. level. Right. So. And there, there's, um, you know, it's funny this, too, sorry to cut you off. It's funny no, how no. one, your one, one mistake about forgetting to recruit coaches ends up sort of opening, like yeah. it could have got, could have kind of gone in two ways for you. Right. It would have been like, I'm going to run and hide. This is awful. I'm never doing this totally. again. Or you're like, <laughs> this is a growth mindset opportunity for me. I'm going to try to learn as much as I can. So I think it says a lot about you and and how you, you know, viewed it. Life presented some opportunities that I look back and I'm very thankful. I mean, it's also a thing that to your point, I couldn't have done it if it happened to me now. Like when you mm. now you're in, we're, you know, married with two kids. You're like I couldn't have taken on this kind of mistake to be like, no problem. I'll give up every night of the week to be in, in, the, <laughs> in the gym with all these various teams. You just yeah, like, yeah. I just, your wife's like, sorry, what? Yeah, you can't do that much volunteering. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not, not how this goes. But at the time, it, it fit my lifestyle, no problem. So you're mm-hmm. like, this is a cool challenge and growth, as you said, just to see how it how it transpires. And, you know, those things, they... One thing I've learned, I feel like for me, is that you're so fortunate with the the players that are you're blessed to be around and, and the athletes that are really playing and making all this thing go because the role you play as a coach is so different by these different stages as well. And like one of the more formative is like that late high school and college coaches, they can really have a, uh, a bond with athletes that almost in some ways is like an extended family. Like people will really look mm-hmm. to those coaches. I'm like, I'll always go back to them. And that's not the same thing that athletes want from their pro coaches or that they want from their coach when they're eight years old. Like they're, they sure. see, you 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 go through different stages of what the athletes want from you, but at the at the end of the day, for our coaching success, right or wrong, and probably more wrong, we often get assessed by the athlete performances. So mm-hmm. if you coach tomorrow, if they gave you you know the the Denver Nuggets as your as your job, or mm-hmm. they gave you the Las Vegas Aces as a job, then you get seen as like a pretty good coach, assuming you don't mess it up. But yeah. <laughs> no doubt. There's a lot to it. I'm not faulting that. I'm just saying there's no, it's no. an element that goes into the assessment of coaches. For sure. Um, and, oh, yeah, go ahead. Keep going. Yeah. I was going to say, and and this led to a lot of my pathway at the beginning. Yeah. Because I mentioned that one family and the one guy that in this case, who wanted a team in Sackville. He just wanted a team. That's what drove this is his family's like, oh, he's pretty good at basketball. He loves it relative for like a 12-year-old or whatever it was at that time. Oh, no. We've been 14 years old at the time. And then what led the next year, we're running these teams and he goes to play provincial teams. So again, I'm so new that I'm actually like, oh, I'll take you to the things and find out. And, you know, as luck continues to have it for me, we go to these first year provincial teams and Les Berry's running that team. 
And this ends up being a really big thing for me because Les was trying to get this kid. I'm like, hey, I've heard this kid. You guys are playing in Division Two. You shouldn't be in Halifax. <laughs> like, can I get into the tryout? So we get everybody. What's connected. Division Two? What does that mean? Like, they like just, in your in your, like system, in your club system? Oh, he's playing yeah, in a just second tier kind of thing. Okay, got you. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it, this kid was good enough that he should have been playing on a team that sure. would get him into Division One. So that just had enough attention of like, we want him at provincial team tryouts. That stuff all makes sense. And like I said, here I am just along for the ride. He gets to the first tryout and um, Les had a couple of staff that didn't show. So he's like, well, you're, you're a coach. I don't know you, but like go over there and watch the basket for me, you know? <laughs> and you know, next thing you know, you're yeah. in and, yeah. and you know, you do, I think to, so in your intro, you talked about, um, just trying to respect what was going on. I was very appreciative that Les would even give me that in that moment. Cause at, again, I was still blossoming in terms of my interest and passion of basketball as a, as a pathway for me. Um, but it was such a cool experience. I'd gone from coaching just club. And I would say that was way more on the side of for fun mm -hmm. than what a provincial team starts to get to, which would be more on the side of high performance. Sure. So you get in there and I think, wow, I just got to make sure I don't overstep. It's going to listen to what they tell me and what they need. I'll give back as feedback. I'll make sure the drill or the basket doesn't get out of hand so they can come around and assess their athletes. But as the summer would play out for me, um, I, I was able to fill in blanks where some of Lessa's staff didn't show up that summer. So we did two summers like, like that, where I was basically the extra coach. I would come track things for them, stats, whatever it might be, and just be around and just having a chance to learn from him. Mark Parker was on that. Tim McGarrigal's around. So it's a lot of like, I would say very big names and people I didn't feel I should have access to in that Nova Scotia <laughs> market at that time, but was, was getting it. So I was just like, what a really cool and inspiring summer, two summers that, that had been for me. And unfortunately, my athlete didn't even end up making the team. <laughs> so. right. But yeah, so but, and you still made the commitment to come out after that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I, yeah, yeah. I thought what a gift I would be given. So I was like, yes, I'll certainly come if you guys will use me in any spaces. And some, some practices that meant I ran the clock and, and track some things and other practices, um, less gave me some opportunities to be a part of it. And you know, that, that grew and what, where that's really led for me though, is, um, then less got the job in Brandon mm -hmm. following this from Nova Scotia. And the one thing he wanted to bring and, you know, I did appreciate this a lot about Les as he was very honest and transparent in our communications. And he, he had said to me, I don't know if you're ready to be an assistant coach for me at the U or CIS level at that time. Mm -hmm. But he said, but I know I can trust you, which I do value. Like he's like, I'm ready to coach this team in Brandon, but I just need someone I trust with me. And mm. just like the coaching thing at that stage in my life, I was like, I have the ability to do this. And I remember that was the time when I like called home and I thought my parents were going to respond differently. They both did a 180 of what I expected. <laughs> so I called my mom to be like, I'm loving this. I want to go chase this and see how it turns out. I'm going to go coach college basketball for almost nothing and just see if I can make some ends meet out there. In and Brandon, give up Manitoba. My, yeah, in Brandon, Manitoba, which is, yeah. is going to be awesome. And I'm going to give up my accounting job and go do it. And I was expecting her to be the like, yeah, follow your dreams. And she was like, how are you going to eat? Like, this is what happens for my mom. <laughs> and as a parent, I look back like, ah, I get that now. But yeah, at the yeah, time, yeah. I was like, don't worry. You're like, whatever. And my dad was the opposite. Like, oh, it makes sense. If you're driven, then go figure it out. So mm. um, 
away I went with with less and and that's where you know our paths started to cross. We got we landed with that that women's team the first year that had been in a state that they just need to get themselves going. Mm-hmm. And we were still fortunate enough to get a couple players. You know, Sherelle Carberry came out from from Halifax and we landed Semra from from Germany who um I think in hindsight a lot of teams would have taken her, but it's so hard knowing the international players. So a lot of them had passed on her when she had reached out to come into Canada, but us mm-hmm. being new and having nobody were like, sure. And then she ended up being like a, I don't know if she, I'd say she was an all-star level, but she was probably like around that level if she mm-hmm. was on some of the teams. So it was a big ad for us. And we went from, you know, zero win program to like 10. I think we were in the playoff mix to like the last or second last weekend, which was a really big step for that program, which was, there were some rough years, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was rough, for sure. And Donnie Thompson, did he did what he could and everything. It was just time for some change. And um, it was just tough. I mean, the, you know, when you think about the location of Brandon and you have so many other mm-hmm. schools around that are established on the women's side, how it's very hard to recruit and get, you know, women to, you know, the men's sure. program is established. But on the women's side, it was, yeah. But again, stroke of luck, things work out. You get two recruits and let it roll, right? Like, yeah, no, kind of did the same thing when he was there. Like, he was able to get a couple studs every year and then win more games than people expected them to, right? And that's all it takes. So, yeah, for sure, yeah, yeah. and it starts to go. And I think in that time, on the as you said, on the women's side, Tanya had done such a great job at the U of W. Pam was doing a great job at U of M as well, but Tanya in particular was just like gobbling up all the Manitoba recruits. So. If you can't get anybody local, it is hard. It's not yeah. impossible, but it is hard to get those programs going. So for sure, a couple of players helped us get a little bit started, and and um, and then the men's program. This was the next step of my career. The men's program was in that transition. So the men had been on the opposite end of the spectrum. You know, yeah. as a as an alumnus, you know, you know they they won. That's what all that's all they did. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the two spectrums going at the same school, and um, but it was the end of. Jerry's time. It was just, he, he was leaving and the school was figuring out what they were going to do. And Les's one year at the women's almost ended up being like an on, on site interview, which he never probably realized till the year was wrapping up and the opportunity came for him to shift over. So we shifted over and, and part of that. Yeah. You know, here I was (laughs) now, like, like, has anybody, has this ever happened anywhere? You know what I mean? Like where two, two coaches come in, they coach, one gender team in the next year they're coaching the other gender team like <laughs> it's wild man and and like you say the the polar opposite in terms of expectations and standards right like yeah. i'm sure it's i'm sure at some points you probably were like man it'd be nice to just see where we can take this thing with the women over a 5 year span and if we For can sure. build and then it's like well then there's this opportunity where well i can't say no to this but oh this comes with a whole different can of worms right For sure yeah, yeah. and you know Brandon led to almost all that for me so to your point, we, we left the the women's side. And at the end of that year for me, under my entire coaching resume, I had, you know, maybe mm-hmm. nine, 10 minor teams I had done. And I had maybe like two individual years of high school basketball I'd done. I think both boys at that time, one in Nova Scotia and one here. And how are you feeling time, about your craft at this point? Like, are you? Uh... Well, this is it. At the, yeah. On the women's side, when because we were a program that was getting going, because it was coming from where it had been and getting going, I felt like confident that I was at least still one step ahead for where the athletes in the program were. And I was like, I'm still contributing, but I, I, I will admit like a first year teacher. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> one one class is, ahead. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then, but when we got the men's job, 
I haven't had to tell last. I'm like, I got to be honest. Like, there, I have some nerves now. Like, these guys, yeah. this is a program that's been winning. Like, anything short of being at nationals is a massive disappointment. Mm-hmm. Me going to nationals, if I just like look at where I am in my career as a coach, I'm going to be more excited than I should be as a coach. Like, I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe we've qualified. We're doing this. And at that time, nationals were Halifax. Mm-hmm. So you're going home. So I'm like, this is all just, uh, it felt like a lot. So I, I had um, some imposter syndrome worries at that moment of my career too. You know, <laughs> and less, less to to his credit, was like, don't worry, man, I got it. Just keep being someone I can rely on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which is such an interesting point too that he was able to see that because with his experience, right? Obviously, being having a wealth of knowledge as a head coach and, and being involved in coaching for so long, that word trust just sort of like he was almost willing to sacrifice maybe your lack of knowledge and X's and O's, mm-hmm. knowing that I'm going to Brandon and what's going to come with that. And at least I know I have a ride or die with me, right? As opposed right. to someone who maybe, and no offense to you, and you I don't think you would take it, is wealth of more wealth of knowledge or years of experience, but I don't know this person. I haven't developed any relationship with them. I think that's huge, man. And it's probably something that as you stepped into the roles you did going forward, you know, maybe became important to you, even in your own foundation to this day. And I think a word trust is something we throw around a lot, but it is huge in terms of, you know, yeah, it's a very interesting thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm very thankful for him. Like that all the way the whole life went for me is like, I wouldn't be in this spot if he didn't value. That's what I was bringing to him. Because to your point, there were people around in the Brandon community, especially went to the men's side. There are people around that he could find that could have brought more Mm-hmm. Um, to just even to his own coaches discussions behind the scenes, let alone like the on court. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the on court, he gave me a lot of, I look back, he gave me a lot knowing that he would correct what he needed while it was going, but it was allowing me to build my voice and confidence on floor. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was not getting the same return. He was getting the thing that he trusted. Someone he trusts with him, which he valued mm-hmm. obviously, but he wasn't getting probably the same level he could have attracted for like, well, we should think about doing it this way. Have you thought about handling or getting you know, Neil Gordon shots this way or DD like mm-hmm. short shots this way? Like he, I probably wasn't providing that. I would be unaware of that, but I wasn't providing that with what he could have been attracting at that time. So um, I was very fortunate. Mm-hmm. I think too, like both of us have experienced into it. I'm sure at some point, the fact that he went from the women to the men, he also probably stepped back and was like, no, because Brandon, I loved my time there and enjoyed it, but also he probably was super aware that he just needed a fresh slate, like yeah. to maybe have someone who was still like McCutcheon or someone who is still sort of, you know, one of Jerry's guys. And I think as a head coach, you probably just want like, and and with the community being so small, you got men's bab, Bobcats and the Wheat Kings, you know, like you're kind yeah. of the prime deal in town. So it was almost probably a healthier perspective to just have, okay, I've, he's a little green, but I'll take that as opposed to maybe having sort of like, this is the way we used to do it, you know, and not in a disrespectful way. I think it was the right play for sure. For sure. And yeah, yeah, I think totally, as you know, when there's coaching changes, especially after a legendary coach like Jerry and Mm -hmm. with the success that he had posted, it's not all smooth on Les's side. Like there's Mm -hmm. certainly people that are not warm to the change. Um, For sure. So I think there, you know, that, that increased the need of like, I just need someone I know is in my corner and not that he was, I think he and Jerry actually got along well, but it doesn't mean that everybody around it supported the same, the same. So mm-hmm. it was, it was, you know, my two, we only have two years of Brandon because then crazy. And I know. And then 
from that, we had the job opportunity popped up at Acadia, which is my alma mater. Um, mm-hmm. And for Les, it was a chance to come back home. Mm-hmm. And I, I know that for him was real, real heavy. I think if you, at the time, uh, Les and Trish had just been engaged, I'm going to see if I this thing, or, or just gotten married. But I think if that had not been the case, he would have stayed. I think he liked what Brandon had to offer. I think he was like, we can win here. And, you know, I think if the, ba- if the decision was just basketball, mm-hmm. he was going to stay. But I think there was family elements to it that also weigh in these decisions. So he came, ultimately came home. Mm-hmm. But, you know, for me, I'd say I got, you know, two years of Brandon. I felt like I got 15 years of experience. <laughs> just the yeah. scenarios that arise there with the history of the men's program, uh, both for good and 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 challenges that come with that. Yep. The history of the women's program, the good and the challenges that come with that. And I, I, it was just like a a real crash course for me. And the one thing that we were leaving that that Les had said, because uh, Barnaby was coming in at that time. Mm-hmm. And I connected with Barnaby as part of the transition plan. And Barnaby was welcome or welcomed me to stay there. And, mm. and Les had said... <laughs> Again, I don't know how you make all these decisions, but Les had said, you know, the only thing you didn't get from Brandon because they showed us everything was you didn't see what it actually looks like for a student athlete to come in and go all the way to graduation and how different they go through that stage of life. Right. Um, and and they are different. There's a reason why seniors have some big value in in college sports. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate that now. At the time, I was like, I, like I believed him, but I was like, I don't, I don't have the appreciation of what what it's what you're telling me. So there was some consideration with Barney, but at the same time, I had the same draws to go back home, my alma mater, my family. And it took some stress off other pieces of life while you're living as an assistant coach in, in youth sports salary. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it's a bit better now. I think people are doing more now, but at that time yeah. we didn't have many full-time assistants. So we were piecemealing life together to make this work. For sure. Um, was less so, pretty open about him applying at uh, Acadia or was it like, Hey, by the way, I got the job or... Oh, this is a yeah. good one. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, we, for sure. I think we were in um, tight enough that like helped with the process. Like this is our application, our application. Here's your application. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing. The main points I think we could say if I have any insight, what I think how the school like values. And mm-hmm. most times all college jobs, you've got to be able to recruit. Um, some of them are going to have some expectations on you to like perform off court things like that. You're just, how you're going to help support academics, et cetera. But like you, you got to recruit. That's like the number one thing in college. So yeah. With less, I could share some insight of like what I thought the demographics and the main hubs of recruiting were for Acadia, like what spots he's going to have to to nail and attack to mm-hmm. fit the rest of the school. So we were we I were think, in together, yeah, yeah, and I think that's huge. I think too because I, you know, he still valued what your thoughts and opinions were, right? And was like, hey, mm-hmm. this is like this guy was on this campus. He knows more about the school probably than I do. So what what can I? Like I need to hear him. Whereas some people might just go, you know what? I'm just gonna, I'm gonna let him know that I'm applying for the job, but I'll kind of just do it on my own and and figure yeah, it yeah. out, right? And so I think it it just speaks volumes as to what he was like and how he valued his staff. Um, that's that's awesome. And yeah, so, well said. So then we go back, man. And then we go back. We got yeah. we got to Acadia, <laughs> and we did. Gosh, and like I felt like it was pretty cool. Like I look back at the experiences I got, and we come into Acadia, and they had hired. I don't know if I should say name or not, but they'd hired a really great coach, but I, he had some other challenges and it didn't go well in that era. So they had to remove him. And, and um, when those types of scenarios arise, 
usually it's just like a bit of a mess in the locker room, the team makeup, just like things didn't go well. Not all of that person was a mess, but just what people expected coming in. So you just got a lot sure. of disgruntled people. Yeah. And um, like I said, you get a whole new experience. So you went from a team that hadn't won a team that was always winning. And now you had one that was like, you guys got to tear this down right now. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember the the part that hit me the most of that when Les was doing it is, is um, we finished basically the tryout phase of our first year. So you get that off season, you bring in your recruits and you've got, when you're new to a school, you just got a, you know, a smudge board of people coming in. It's just like all over the place trying to see who's going to stick. If you're a basketball player out there in the lower mainland or uh, BC in general, and you're looking for somewhere to play, we have a proud sponsor and that is PGC Hoops. You can find them at pgchoops.ca. And the thing that makes them unique and that we're proud to sponsor them and then be a sponsor of us is it's a true nonprofit basketball organization found in the east side of Vancouver. The mission is cost-effective elite basketball for all. Find the website, take a look, register your kids, register yourself, look for the programs. And if you have any questions, reach out to me and we can contact you with the right people. This is a good program for the right reasons. We appreciate you, PGC Basketball. And so many dudes are, and so many people are just like, they sniff that and they're like, well, this is my chance to, you know, maybe yes. people that have been cut for a couple of years, they're showing up. They're like, they don't know yes. who I am yet. You know, like it's, yeah, they all come out of the woodwork, right? Totally. Yeah. And, but we went through the trial and we had a guy that these stories, I found them so interesting when I look back as we had a guy that would have been a fourth or fifth year senior guard for that team. And he had been with the program for a while and he like a, just a great human. Mm-hmm. And I remember last being like, we're cutting him though. And, and I, I, I was like, I don't understand. Like he's for sure would start for us. And Les was like, for sure he would, but like he at the level where he would win us one or two more games this year. So mm-hmm. if we're going to go four and 16 and he makes us five and 15. All it does is eat up 30 minutes a game from the people that we need to get us to a playoff level in year two. And I was like, wow, what a, well, like, like at the time, but great perspective of like mm-hmm. what we're trying to do here in this year. So he's like, we have to balance a little bit of people to keep our locker room in check. But mm-hmm. we had the two or three that we thought were that. So he's like, I'm not taking seven and just like blocking our young ones from getting opportunity. And for and you, guy, I think take on the, I think early on being a young coach, that's so huge. Something that was hard for me too, is like being prepared to have the tough conversation, like not, not, you got to lean into it, right? There's a way to go about it. You don't have to yeah, be an asshole, yeah. right? You don't have to be rude, but like. <laughs> he could have easily just been like, Oh, I'll tread lightly here. And he was like, no, man, I, I want this program and I want it to happen now. And so he wasn't afraid to lean in. I think that's huge. So many yeah. things that you're taking in, like, I mean, you're like three years in here, man. Like totally, you know, and it's like wild, <laughs> wild story. I was on a crash course, which was really cool. Yeah. I just lucked out as I, as I went through these phases and, you know, did this- you ever find yourself being just like, Whoa, this is a lot. Or were you just so into it that it was like just fun every day for you? Both, both, yeah. for sure. They were mm-hmm. for sure, especially the year on the men's side with Brandon. I think Woo! the the yeah, buddy. <laughs> yeah, there's the women's side because their situation, there there's like the expectations were lower, so the pressures were lower. So every team has challenges and things that come up. 
Mm-hmm. Um, what we had less of being the team where they were coming from the women's side was like less ego. So less conflict that way. Yeah. Um, and you had less expectations from the outside world. So there's less pressures from both like people watching them and their families. Like, oh, you only like, lost by 12 this weekend. Yeah, you didn't lose exactly. by 41. Like way to go. You know, like, yeah. Whereas, so you, every yeah. team has its challenges, but you didn't have those. You went to the men's team and like, bam, those came on. And there were some people on that team that, um, didn't have all aspects of their life together. So you had stuff mm-hmm. come at us that I was like, wow, like this is part of coaching too, eh? Like people yeah. figuring out their academics, people making sure they were staying on the straight and narrow off the court, like and what all that looks like as teammates. And we even had some challenges of like inner team dynamic conflicts, which For sure. again, I'm trying to like protect some people's things. Of course. But you, 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 look, you look back and you think these are all great learnings. And as a young coach, um, some of those things were even intimidating just to like live in it because you could have two really great, great players who clearly were having a challenge of just coexisting in the mm-hmm. team and on campus mm-hmm. and, you know, us trying to balance, okay, well, our job is to get them to come out here still and, and win games, but at the same time we can't have, well, are we going to win games that they're going to like hate each other? Or, like what, what has to happen here to get people feeling comfortable? So you, you go through a time and you go back to Acadia and it's, um, it's different. It's more mm-hmm. like the women's one again, like there's almost like these pressures are off, but now you get this challenge, like, but now we got to find some people that can win. <laughs> so, yeah. So. Yeah. And you're dealing with all these dynamics. I think the thing that people overlook, right. Is like, okay, great. Like you had some talented guys at Brandon, you're, you know, probably top five in the nation for most of the year, mm-hmm. but you're like, you've got conflict and there's other things happening, but they're still also getting to know these guys. Like you didn't bring them in. Right. You haven't been coaching them for four years. Like Les's point, like, you, right. you got to see, you got to see what it's like to have someone come one through five or maybe take a red shirt year one through six. It's like, we're trying to win. We're trying to get to know these guys. We're trying to have them trust us and we trust them and deal with like, that's, that's a schmodule, man. It's a lot. For sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a lot that happens in those things. And whenever you inherit into like a new team, I, I think, you know, having been through it left now and I, I look back, I think to, for coaches and a program at, at the college level, Mm-hmm. to truly get like their culture embedded, it, it almost takes a full cycle of like people that have come through, be done. And as these things are starting to get passed down, that's when they're really becoming um, lived. So mm-hmm. you're working hard and driving things for four or five years, but it's not really till like six or seven that I think you really get the full. Um, and I think college is different than other settings, sure. but I think as a college, that's where the people really get to like have their impact on what their culture looks like. And they're recruiting people to fit their style and, um, I think it takes that time to really, so it's breeding itself and it's mm-hmm. like growing itself as it goes through. Uh, so we're, we're doing the opposite right now. We're like one, one shop, one stop every time. So you're just like mm-hmm. these guns for less was like a gun for hire to turn a program around. And he, he, he did that. He always got his team better the, the first year. So it was mm-hmm. learning some lessons, but I was not living that element yet. Of like mm-hmm. what you need to do over a period of, of, of time, just hadn't had the experience. Yeah. But, we landed Acadia, we go through a tough year. And then the next year, Les has got us ramped right back up. And then, you know, over my time in Acadia, we get the, um, within the CIS sport, it was around the time we transitioned there, I think. But mm-hmm. in this bubble of the final eight, we had the the upset win over Carlton uh, in this era and then lost to Brock in the finals on the on the next day. And I think that was really one of the big flagship moments for for us as like a, a duo Acadia time with it we got to Acadia within a couple of years we're we're on that stage um and I'll always remember the pain of like losing you know you get that climatic win in the semis mm-hmm. 
but you lose in the finals and you carry that forever still. And the amount of people that talk to us about what a win over Carlton. And you're just like, for sure. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We finished second. Like, (laughs) It is. It's a tough turnaround, man. That's a challenging tournament three days. And like, just, uh, you know, the, the Sunday games always a little earlier too, right? For, for TV yeah. wise, but talk about that experience, you know, before we jump into you becoming like a head coach, just sort of, you talked about going back home, being back home and then having that school talk about yeah. the pride and what you felt just sort of stepping into the Metro center and in that quarterfinal game, first round and being a part of that, it must've been pretty, you know, kind of goosebumps, hair standing up kind of moment. It was, it was unreal. And, you know, the Metro center carried, so this is a fun thing. Like if I go back to my childhood pieces of like not really being a true, like basketball, not being my number one, liked it. But one thing that I did every March was go to both the AUS and the final eight with my dad. That was like a thing oh, yeah. that we did. And my brother didn't even go. Like he didn't have the interest. It was like a thing as a child that I shared with my father. Just the two of us cool. would go in and out love. every week, every weekend for that. And love that. Yeah. So it was like, so cool. And, you know, and part of that, I was at the age where like my dad would buy me like a shirt or a sweater to go with it. And I would wear that with such pride for like the rest of that summer, you know, like it was, yeah, this was the, and for me, it was more the event with my father. So to, to take this whole thing of what would really symbolize the return to Acadia for me and how this really started just to become like ingrained within me, the Carlton game, uh, Peter Layton hits that three-pointer. I don't know how much this everyone's going to remember, but he hits this three-pointer just over like Ryan Bell, who's like probably one of the best defenders that had played in, in youth sport. It just mm-hmm. his job, like chasing people off screen, challenging shots. So to get it off was by like a hair and Peter's release was so quick. So it was just like such a moment and it casually, and, and anyway, it goes through Acadia wins, blah, 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 but it's on. Mm-hmm. Oh, I hope I get the broadcaster right. I think because <laughs> I'm one of the broadcasters, they're mm-hmm. <laughs> nightly recaps, but it actually does a, a pan shot of the Acadia crowd. And it's my mother crying mm-hmm. that Acadia has won. And I'm like, oh, this is so symbolic for like my personal emotions of like what's happened here too. You come back to Acadia, we get the program back on the stage where people want mm-hmm. it for sure painful that we finish second, but we're, we're back on the stage. We're, we're playing in a national championship game. And then here's my mother living in the, crowd and the seats rise to sit beside my father all emotional and it's on national tv which you know no one else would pick up it's my mother but but we do as a family right so you're like wow yeah. what a cool moment so we're trying to get that like 30 minute segment from like i don't know if it's a tsn or the score like probably give tsn it to yeah it would have been we, tsn we, they usually did the semi yeah yeah so like we we, we need that and they're like oh yeah. yeah you want the one minute's recap sure and we're like yeah we need it it was uh such a I don't know. Just like one of those moments that we still remember and carry of like just the symbolism of full circle of something mm-hmm. we had as a childhood activity to now living it down on the, on the court and my parents watching me. So I was like, it was really cool. I love that, man. It's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> That's the same for me. My dad would always let us skip a day and we would go to the BC championships down cool. at the Agrodome, right? We usually go on the Thursday um, cause we'd go to the semis on the Friday night, but just spend the whole day watching basketball. Right. And like those memories. And that's amazing. I love that. Great story. Yeah. yeah they're fun stuff. You're going to remember these things as parents now, right? Like, I know, right. They actually have an impact. You, you don't realize. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I'm looking forward to the day that I can take my kid and skip the day of school and watch basketball, but we'll see. <laughs> you know, you got but to the beginning, you got to remember that too. It's like your kid going to get like, it's going to be coaches. Coach's son just like loves it all or like, yeah. no, nah, I don't want to do basketball. <laughs> yeah. And it, you know what? 
I honestly could give two hoots, man. As long as he's in something like he does basketball right now and he seems to be okay with it. He loves parkour. He'll oh. climb on anything, right? Oh, amazing. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, you know what? We just kind of tell him if we're going to start something you, and it's 10, you know, 10 sessions, you do the 10 sessions. If you don't like it after that, we can move on. Right. But if we're going to, yeah. and then whatever he chooses to do, he chooses to do, but yeah, you know, cool. whatever. I'll cheer for basketball, but I support yeah. you letting him make his own. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to lie and tell you that I don't want him to, but I'm not going <laughs> to, I'm not going to press it on him. Right. Like he's starting to come to practices. He came to our game last night. He's around the boys. Like we've uh, had cool. the fortune of going to Maui a couple times with the team. And so he's come on those roadies and so he's seeing it. Right. And the, you know, the guys all say hi to him. And so I, you know, that part of it is I think fun for him and, but he won't sit and watch a game with me yet. Like on TVs rather just play Lego or do something else. Right. So that's okay. Valuing yeah. it in person, having these memories all, all shape what it will become like his passions. Uh, Absolutely. No, no doubt. Yeah. Agree. All right, man. Well, let's talk about like kind of just yeah. sort of you, you, you know, becoming a head coach and then you end up <laughs> in talking about, obviously there's a sense of pride. You, you've mentioned it so many times about Acadia and then it's just like, you find yourself coaching in the AUS and like, it's like super cool, yeah. man. Yeah. It, yeah. And then, you know, then the transition happens like after that year. So we win a yeah. silver medal. Then my job again, is we had some stuff on the inside that had to be cleaned up. So I've got to, to go through another transition year of Acadia. So this, I was really comfortable. I was like, I know how to do this and uh, <laughs> play the bad guy. Now I've got plenty of experience. And then um, <laughs> I went, I went, through that phase and we got ourselves back after that back to playoffs and we hit, and we had a upset win so we we got ourselves to nationals and then i think we did four straight before i left but i, I would i i would i i can swear to you that when i was at acadia there in like my fourth fifth year um i thought that's where i was going to be forever i was so happy to have the opportunity to be coaching basketball full time Mm-hmm. At my alma mater, my parents down the street within like a 30 minute drive, my my fam- my brothers down there. Um, and at that time had met what would be my future wife as well, who was also there. I was just like, um, I'm set. I'm living the the yeah. dream of what I wanted. We're having success at Acadia. Um, I was really, really excited. And we were um I don't know what the, the right word is. We thought we were getting close. We never got over the hump, so it could just be our own biases, but we thought we were getting close <laughs> with Carlton mm-hmm. or giving them a run at nationals, but it felt like every year they they came out on top. And there's one year in particular, we thought we had them right on the ropes. And then Elliot Thompson hit back-to-back threes and we had, it was for sure a coaching error. We had almost left of like, we were leaving him and trying to play the pass between them, hoping that it would get to somebody else, but they got it to Elliot both times. And, uh, he made them both timeout was a little too late to get out of that. But, <laughs> but I remember that because he was maritime kid and you know, you, you had that moment of like, you're back home almost like we talked before, but now you're the head coach at these AUS and national championships in Halifax. Everything seems set. Another maritime kids hitting a shot. You're just like, this is really cool. This is like mm-hmm. really what you have now, since I've gotten into basketball, these are like the dreams of what you want to transpire around you, mm-hmm. except Elliot B on our team would have been better, but yeah. you know. <laughs> <laughs> sure, that's fair. <laughs> so with that, and things were going great, and then the opportunity came up with Canada Basketball, and they had yeah. posted. I, I I don't know if I'll ever know the inner workings on their side, but the women's side was looking for a performance analyst, and I don't think, in hindsight, that any coaches applied for it. Was what happened? I think it was all analyst people. Um, which made my, I guess my resume unique. So it's also like benefited me. <laughs> yeah. 
But I, I saw the opportunity, I guess, different than others in that I was like, I really think the chance to work with the Olympic team and our country's best, best athletes is such a cool opportunity. I'm like to be a part of our national organization. I was like, I'm willing to do whatever you guys want me to do for that opportunity. And in the interview process, they had asked some, or they, they had made clear, like, we want you to know that if you get this role, it does not mean you're on bench. It does not mean you're active with the athletes. Like none of that stuff is necessarily part of this role. And I was like, no problem. Like I am so excited to get yeah, the like chance. I ran, to the, go I ran the clock for the U16 Nova Scotia <laughs> provincial team <laughs> and didn't even deserve to be there. So shoot, man, give me whatever you want. Like, totally. This is team Canada. Like, yeah. And I was, you know, and, and I was like the chance to go now, again, you link back to your old thing. The Olympics had always been something that had really pulled me and attracted me. So I was like the mm -hmm. chance to work with these athletes that are doing this is like, I, I, I was all in. And, um, now, are you, are you like a planner at this point? Like, are you, do you have, do you have goals in mind? Are there sort <laughs> of, are there dreams and hopes? Or are you kind of like just taking, taking each coaching year as it comes along? Or as you sort of probably a few years into Acadia, you feel like, okay, I'm like, this is for me. I can do this. Like I, you know, I, doesn't matter what level is the mindset change or is it like one day you see this and you're like, Oh, that'd be kind of dope. Like it, you know, just curious about that part of it. Yeah. No, great question. Mm -hmm. For sure. Planner and, and goal setting. Like uh, I think everyone has it in some lights, but I'd probably yeah. be more like the um, theoretical side of it. I'd love to have my stuff written down. I'd love to have it like mapped out. This is my personality. Mm -hmm. And at Acadia at that time, before the CB, the Canada basketball job posted, my goals were more like um, we were establishing, I was establishing ranges in which I want our team, like our good years. I want us to get a national championship. I want to be at nationals like this many out of five. And I want our bad years to be like fourth in the AUS is our rebuilding year. Like if we have a down year, that's what it looks like. And mm. we had targets where I was like, I want to make sure I get like the best kid in Nova Scotia, like in at least two to three years was like a goal that we were setting. So again, just more being like, I had these things mapped out and we were, we were tracking because I truly believe we were going to be there for the long haul. And our president at the time at Acadia was Ray Ivany, who did a tremendous job with the school. That's, you know, immaterial, but what he was, um, it was really inspiring for me because he was helping us look at ways like how do we make the men's basketball programs uh, financially sustainable as well? Like, so we can mm -hmm. fund our own scholarships because recruiting is so critical. So what are some things we do? Cause we don't have the, there's not TV money in Canada, like there is in the state. So these, the landscapes a little, a little different of how we make it work. And, um, Anyway, we were we were trying to find those things as well. Like, how do we generate some income over the next two, three years, five years, ten years? And these are the things that were were driving me at that time. Um, I was fully invested, and like I said, this this opportunity came up, and it really just like turned everything. And mm -hmm. I was almost searching for someone in my life close to me to tell me that it was a bad decision. Like, am I chasing something silly? Like, it seems like I've got everything ingrained right here at Acadia, but like. All my family was kind of like, "Oh, it sounds great!" Like <laughs> my, my soon-to-be wife, like, "Yeah, it sounds great!" Like everyone was just like, "Yeah, yeah, go for it!" And I was like, "Okay." I, I, I mean, <laughs> it's no one playing devil's advocate. Then I, I got to yeah. try. And mm -hmm. um, again, I, you know, I can't speak for them for either side, but I think Canada basketball on the on the flip had gone into this position intending to hire someone that would just do um, stats and pieces on the side. But when they got my um, resume, they were, the position just like shifted a bit. They're like, Oh, if you can do those things and be on staff, we're actually getting a couple of things at one. And now we'll have in that structure, a full-time coach of their senior program to handle those things that go on during the pro seasons and 
it, it just kind of like morphed over time, which was, a, I've been really lucky how these things mm-hmm. have gone. So I went back, you know, at the beginning, I mentioned the key to like players, my time at Acadia, when, when Les was there, we had some really great players. And one of those standouts was Leo Santil, who broke like the rebounding record that time. And he was incredible. And then I was fortunate, like we had, again, we had many, but one of them was like Owen Clausen, who's now still playing for our men's national program at times. And these people relay the success to give us the opportunities. Like if Leo didn't break the rebounding record, I probably don't get the next Acadia opportunity. Mm. Owen doesn't come and play so well for us in that era. I probably don't get this opportunity with Canada basketball. So I realized that I've been very fortunate throughout my path and I try and take the most of all these things that are shown and, and, and cross me. And, and like, I, I try and make the most of these experiences, but, um, I mean, give yourself some credit, give yourself some credit though, dude. I mean, I know you're applauding the many, many people around you, but if you guys don't give Leo and Owen the confidence to do (laughs) what they do as coaches, then they don't succeed that way. You know, like it, it all, it all goes together. And I know what you're saying. You're saying the right things and, and doing it right. But also like, there's no way Canada basketball is morphing a position to save money. If they think you're a scrub or a bad dude, you know what I mean? Like they obviously see value in you. They see hard work. They see someone with a growth mindset. Like they see someone that they want to represent the Maple Leaf. Right. And I think, so it's not, it's not, it's it's not Nova Scotia club. You know, you coach an eight to 12 teams. It's like, this is the upper echelon of basketball. So I don't know. I think you give yourself and many people have spoken like you saying, Oh, I'm luck. But I also think, you know, good things come to good people too. Right. So luck and everything, it's all got to fall together in the right places. Um, but you also were willing to stick your neck out and go for it. Right. Like you jumped on a plane and came to Brandon and then you followed the same guy back out East. And then you're like, I think I like this opportunity. And your family was kind of like, and you're like, I'm still going to go for it. Right. Like I guarantee you, there are many people in front of their laptop, Steve, that were like, I don't know if I want to apply, you know, like it seems cool. And and I've had the same moments myself, but you were able to stick your neck out and do it. So, you know, at some, at some point when you're retired and old and grumpy, you can give yourself a little pat on your back. How's that? Uh, I appreciate that. I do. (laughs) I've tried to take, you know, learnings from where I've been and the people Mm -hmm. that have been around me. And I've been, I've been very fortunate because you have to be to get through this path. But, you know, like we said at the beginning, if I look back now, I've really had like quite a, quite an experience going through our our system in Canada. Like I've that's one way to put it. (laughs) Yeah. I've done the minor. I've had a chance to do the provincial teams, the Canada games. I've gone through the high school system in a couple provinces. I've done the youth sports system now. and, And now I get a chance to to represent our country. And as you mentioned in the beginning, I've been able to lead our 18 team, a Commonwealth team, a Pan Am team. And I've been with our senior team for three world cups now, two Olympics. And hopefully in February, we take care of business and I make it our third. So mm-hmm. um, it's been a really, really cool ride. And I think the part that I've enjoyed the most, that's always kind of pushed me forward to where I'm in right now is when you get around the athletes or you get the opportunity to be around high performing athletes, it's so motivating to see how hard mm-hmm these for me how hard these women work like their commitment level is is unreal like when you leave you just think i have to do more to help they're willing to sacrifice so much in their lives and mm-hmm. at the, i started on the men's side those were the first opportunities that i that i had um as a head coach and now that i'm on the women's side and i've really had a chance to like live it and see the different things in terms of like challenges they face i could never leave now i could mm-hmm. never leave you just see the fight they go through and 
there's so many layers to this, but even the small side of like the the income they make, it's it's so much easier to make these decisions as a as a you're gonna get a contract to get a million bucks and it's like, well, we'll pay you to live in Spain. You're like, well, okay, like that's enough to do it. But on the women's side, you're not getting paid like that. So mm-hmm. <laughs> you have to do it for a passion. Like I I love to do it. And I know that mm-hmm. I'm sacrificing living in another country, which is fun for a year, but maybe not for a decade. Like it's mm-hmm. it it puts a strain on many aspects of your life, but they're just so these athletes are just so committed to like honing their own skills, getting better. And in many cases with us representing their country. So it just drives them for, for incredible things. So anyway, I find it quite inspiring. I kind of got off on a little bit of a rabbit hole there, but no, it's, I love it. Yeah. It's, it, it, it drives me for sure. This well, so you got, you know, you got someone like Kayla who we re- recently had on, right? It's yeah. like, she's willing at kind of, you know, she's getting longer in the tooth in her career mid season to just pack up and fly to Miami and do the tryout for you guys to try to qualify. And you're sitting there, you know, you maybe you've been there ahead of time or whatever. You're like, how are you not going to do everything you can to get this woman ready to compete? You know, like I'll, sure. I'll get you up, I'll get you the food, whatever it is I need, right? And and you you make such a great point, and and I know, and I think it's great that you're touching on some of the things, and and we ne- it's not our job is not to kind of compare, but I think it is good to bring light to the struggles and the the difference between the men and the women's game, right? Because it's just true, and and it's great. It's like you see them playing overseas, but when you think about it, it's like, yeah, the difference is it's there and, uh, and we can do so much better, but it's people like yourselves. And, and, and like you say, props to all, uh, the ladies that have, are just starting out, like the, you know, the, the young killers like Sila and the people yeah. that have stuck it out for a long time, you know, like the Kia's, the Kim Smith's like, yeah. you know, Kia's torn her knee and she would have a reason to never put on the Canada jersey again. Sure. No one would question her for a second, but there's something there. Right. And, just shows um, up. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty yeah, cool. Thought, what an opportunity yeah, for you, man. Yeah. And like Kayla is a great example. She was home for the holidays, maybe got five, six days from her, from her Borscht club to come home. And, and she calls us like, Hey, I want to mm. do a workout. Can you guys do 7.00 AM? And we're like, of course, mm-hmm. <laughs> whatever. If you want to do that on your days home, like, of course we'll be there. So you, it, it, it drives you like you, we watch her games in Borscht and our games to see what things are similar. What things can we, tidy up. And this is the commitment that she has too, right? Like I'm home. I want some more stuff to bring back with me to continue to refine myself before we're, we're back at it in February. So yeah, it's, awesome. it, it's, yeah, it's quite, it's quite the crew. I got she, two. she has been through a lot. She shows up. Everyone's like, it's yeah, nonstop. Yeah, man. And, and I think it, it speaks to the culture that you've all created too, right? If it was something that they weren't drawn to, they wouldn't do it. You know, like it, Yes, it's playing for your country and there's something there, but Canada basketball and the staff within that have created something that makes them want to come back too, if that makes sense, you know? Yeah. Um, which I think is 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 huge. I, I miss this marker by like a little bit, but, mm-hmm. you know, I still feel it. I feel like the Allison McNeil era mm. for women's basketball in this country reshaped us. And we had almost our point in the college one earlier, like it takes five, six years to shape that. I think she had it's again, different in a pro or national team context than, than college. But I think she built that she did it in our, in our national team. And she had convinced and had got the buy-in of this group of athletes like Kim being part of it, Lizanne, Tamara, Shona, many others, Miranda, just committed to that life to get to the next level. And they went from an unranked group to mm-hmm. back-to-back Olympic qualifications at, at that mm-hmm. time. And I think like, or pardon me, Allison was probably the first one. And then Lisa took the, 
second and third ones. But um, I think Allison was a huge piece in that culture and the athletes. I'm not discounting what they gave to it too, but I think Allison was one of the, the drivers to get that going. And my take from this, and again, I haven't lived it, but I, I now live in the culture that I think she's built. So I, mm-hmm. I, I can share what I think still carries is what I think she brought was she fought for the spaces where women weren't being treated equally. And I think her just overall drive to fight for them, and they truly felt it, she fights for us, inspired them to also fight for themselves. And I think that's a powerful thing. If you're willing to fight for yourself and what you think you deserve and should do and what it takes to be better, like that's also part of it. They, they're willing to fight and they pass that to the next generation of it. Like, you got to fight for us to, to get these things and don't forget where we've been. And I, I just think that, that that went through Allison and then Lisa had obviously lived it with her and carried it right through that generation too. And now it's ingrained, as you said, like people are passing it. The athletes are passing it to the next ones themselves. Woo! <laughs> yeah, Allison, hey. Church on a Friday, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> taking us to church on a Friday. Allison McNeil, we're looking at you. Girl, I think she's she's, she, she's been ducking me for so long. I've I've run into her clinics that we've both spoken at. I don't know. I'm not sure if my story. I'm like, listen, your story is great, right? I believe for Allison, we need to say her story is not good enough. Would be the kids would say cap. That's cap for sure. For yeah, sure, she's I think capping. she's changed the whole culture in women's mm-hmm. basketball. And now it's up to other I love that shout out it. to you, man. I love that shout out. That was, yeah. yeah. And you're right. People it have is to up live to it. She can't carry it forever, but I think she got us here. So I, for sure, her story is worthwhile. Come on, Allison. Let's go. Okay. <laughs> Before we do some lightning round, I have two questions that have just kind of come up in my brain if you're okay. So I'll put you on the spot. So for one, sure. um, someone who's a young and up and coming coach, what would be some advice that you would be willing to give that person based on your experience and and what you've seen? Um, someone who wants to learn, grow the game. Maybe they don't even want to coach at the next, you know, the post secondary level, but they just want to learn and grow. Um, and two, um, just talk about knowing that nobody on your staff is satisfied yet, but the time that in the small window, although it has been long, that you've been with the team and the program. How cool is it to see how elevated it's become? And you talked on Allison, but I think it's pretty special. So those are those are two questions. They're heavy, they're loaded, but uh, I'd love to hear yeah, your cool. thoughts on no, both they're of great. them. I think for the first one, my advice would be don't shy away from any task. And any task that you are able to get or opportunity you have, is do it the best you can. I think there's always merit in... Um, if you nail your job, this will lead to your other opportunities, whatever ones you want, like whatever that might be. So as you said, if you want to get to college, this might pay that for you. If you don't want to do that, that's also fine. If you want to get this team, that's great. But I think do the job that you have the best that you can. Don't worry about what's next. And I think it sounds um, cliche and sometimes and people say this, but I truly believe it. And in other coaches that I have worked with, like closer who have had aspirations of getting into like the NBA or WNBA. And one thing that I've always talked about with them is, get in the door is what you need. So get in the door. And then if you do your job, you'll move yourself up through there. But getting in the door is, is the hardest, hardest piece in these, in these elements or these different environments. So mm-hmm. when you get an opportunity, just be great at that. And people bring those people with them. I mean, I'm, I'm proof in the proof in that story with less with me too, but I feel mm-hmm. the same. I can speak from my own experiences. I've really valued the staff members that I can turn to 
and you trust they're going to do what you've given them. And I, I think that's that's my number one advice. Nail the job you have and it'll lead you where it's supposed to. Whatever you're doing right now, listening at work, rolling in your whip, walk, going for a walk, whatever it is, hang on for a sec. You like jerseys? You like stance socks? You like throwback? You like shoes? You like anything related to basketball? Hit up ATOB Ball. And if you're not able to be there in store at Langley Event Center, check them out on the web. And I guarantee you'll find something you like. Give us a mention and you'll never know. Shout out to our boy Jeff. ATOB Ball. For life. love that and that's such a even in related in basketball we preach to our kids and and you think of the senior women's national team you've got 12 or whatever of the best women in in our country coming together to play but some are going to be the star Mm -hmm. some are going to be the 12th some are going to be the 10th but where they play on their pro team or wherever they are they're probably upper echelon but it's like be the best Mm -hmm. in your role like be the best in your role and embrace it right there's so For many sure. times you've shared in your story, Steve, where you could have just been like, yeah, you know what? I'm in Brandon and I don't really know what to do with this high level men's team. I'll just shy away. And you're like, no, <laughs> you know what? I am going to take whatever Les wants me to track. I'm going to track the absolute crap out of that stat. <laughs> yeah, so exactly. he, right. So there's no flaws. So he can't say, oh, you missed that one or whatever it is. Like, I think it's such a powerful thing you're saying. It's easy to say, but it, there's the words are so strong. It's really well put, yeah. man. Yeah. Thank you. Love that. The second one, um, I can speak to some of this experience, having lived it both like through my experiences of like where our expectations, just like how we've raised our own expectations. And I've also been able to live what some other people, like I've been able to see Kim and and Shona, you know, finish up their careers with those same things, Um, their expectations being changed. And some of this I was part of, and some of it I joined later, but I, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think it's so incredible for basketball in our country as a whole that these expectations have changed. So we've had people go through here and we have people still playing or wrapping up their playing or just finished playing that played with our women's program at a time where like they couldn't even get invited to the exhibition tournaments. People, we weren't at that level. So they, they couldn't get to games. They couldn't get through the America's qualifiers. Cuba was too much. Dominican, these countries, Mexico, whoever, Argentina, they just, Brazil it was too much. And mm-hmm. that's changed. Like we go to an America's now and we expect to, to win. And because oftentimes the U S will send a college team. So we're like, we can do this. Like we can win. These are like the, the level, which like metal is what is for us. And if we don't get that, we're extremely disappointed. Um, and th- th- that's great. That means the basketball has risen, which it has. Mm-hmm. We have a, a greater athlete pool, which is true. Um, our opportunities on the world stage, we just finished fourth in the world. So you're like, the expectations are way higher. Mm-hmm. Now, what does come with that, as we all know, is when you raise the expectations is the heartbreak can be a little more when 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 you miss. And I think Tokyo, as an example, didn't go the way we would have liked all of us internally. There were a lot of factors and none of which are excuses, like look back to what, what could have been different. And when it was done, I think we left just feeling like not good, like not just how we performed, but like we just weren't our best selves. And was it overwhelming? Because the hype was pretty big, man. Like it was, it really snowballed into a big thing. I mean, maybe you, you you didn't feel it. I don't know. Did you guys feel that at all? 
I probably was a little less than some, but I think some, mm-hmm. I think within our team, yes, mm-hmm. yes. And I think different people that sat differently, like without putting on any one person, but I think you take these scenarios of someone knowing it's their last crack, that's sure. a different pressure than someone who's experiencing maybe their first time. Um, mm-hmm. And there were people in our locker, like in our locker room that w- when it was happening and when it was done, that were like, I have a hard time looking at some of our, our last year people in the face because the experience didn't go the way we wanted. We all left. Like mm-hmm. we weren't at our best. We didn't come in here at our best. We didn't perform at our best. You know, we, we didn't handle COVID the best. All of it was just not our best. So you left there. I think all teams know, right? Like you go into a season and you know, roughly where you are. And when you finish in the high end, you're excited to finish the low end. You're disappointed. And meaning some teams can finish eighth. And sometimes you're like, that was pretty good for us. And sometimes mm-hmm. you finish third and you can be like, that was really disappointing. Our placement, but also the feel was on the really disappointing for us. And I think that was really difficult for us to look at some people that have been like, you've changed this program. And this was the farewell song that we delivered for you. And it just felt like mm-hmm. with the raised expectations, it, it just stings a lot. It stings. Um, it stings a lot. And you know, you, you, Such you an take interesting the point, man. Like yeah, you take, like, you take the lessons, right? Of yeah. What we're going to try and do, but you're like, but time doesn't allow those lessons to be applied for everyone. Yeah. The program gets it, but not all of us get it. Yeah. Interesting. I, I never thought of that, but it's like, I'm a Chicago Cubs guy. So like, you know, it was like, <laughs> oh, the Cubbies, they're the fun loving Wrigley field. And then we win the world series and everyone, and then like the standard changes. Right. And now it's like, yeah. for some reason I went through, you know, 25 years of absolute disappointment every year like oh they stink you know maybe yeah, and, yeah. and then they win they win the world series and break a streak of over 100 years and then it's like oh we only made the wild card this year or you know yeah. and I'm like it's just which is like it's good because you're relevant but also you're right it does change the whole ah, that's mm-hmm. a great reflection man wow and diff- different pressures show up differently with these different yeah. teams too so it's yeah I and, think and like, then your staff and your staffs forget the athlete side of it yeah. Um, when you guys as a group sat down again, did it change how you've gone forward as a group in terms of we really need to tap into everyone's individual needs for us to come together? Or like, you know, has it changed things or made it, you know, made coaching different sure. or whatever? Yeah. Yeah. There was a, a lot of reflection from that mm-hmm. one from all angles. And again, people can approach it differently because if yeah. you were leaving, you can almost be like, you can share your comments, but be like, I'm done with it now. Like it, yeah. And where if they if you're coming back, you're like, well, this can't happen again. So I think everything has its own, everyone has their own personal lens they bring to everything. And what was really unique in Tokyo for us. So I'll say this first is the, mm-hmm. we all want the higher expectations. Of course, of course. it's, it's yeah. better than the, than the other, but there mm-hmm. are, you know, challenges that come with it too. There are pressures that come with it. We want those, we want those pressures. And, um, you just got to live with the other side when it doesn't go the way you want. The, the tricky part for Tokyo, I was like struggling with my words there, but because of the COVID protocols on the Olympics, I don't know if this is good or bad. I don't know. It, mm-hmm. it, we, we were eliminated, but anyone could, as a team, could test positive and then they'd be out. So we actually had to stay in the village for an extra day living in our own, or maybe two days actually, because mm-hmm. there's a day off between pool play and crossovers and we're not in those, mm-hmm. but we have to stay as the emergency team. And as a national team, we don't typically do that. We, mm-hmm. we, 
we're done playing and everyone disperses back to where they're going next. So you, you know, as a national team, you live in like hotels often. And by the time things are done, you're, you're needing a break from each other. Like sure. human nature is like, let's get That's back fair. to our own places, our own spheres. Yep. We can get a little independence, autonomy in our day-to-day lives. Yeah. Um, but you add in that we're not getting that break and the heartbreak and the frustration. So you've probably got some people looking at each other a little bit like we wouldn't normally do, but you're in the heat of it right now. Like I'm still a little pissed, but we took the time. We're like, well, we're here. Let's talk about it a little bit. And there was a lot of, a lot of emotion that came out from some really powerful people in our team bubble there where they could share uh, like disappointment of how it went. And again, to the credit of like the leadership we had in that locker room, there was very little finger pointing going on. It was really just some reflection of like, I hate that it, we weren't our best. Mm-hmm. Like right before COVID hit, and this again, I'm not putting this on COVID, I'm just saying what our no, reality no. was, is like right before it hit in that February qualifier, we felt like we were firing. We won that window and we felt destined for a Tokyo podium. That's how we were playing. But we never got back to that. All whatever, we we couldn't muster that back. We were just out of sync the one year later. and. He stole my point here. I was going to say, I think the the good part of finally the men picking up the pace, but the women being relevant on the national stage has opened our eyes to like how hard it really is like to, to actually think about you're peaking at a moment and you qualify for the biggest world event, but then you got to get it together a year later when people are a year older, like lives yeah. change, like yeah. Kim's got a baby. Like there's yeah. so many things yeah. like yeah, a lot. <laughs> some, someone blows a wheel and you got to bring someone else in or whatever happens, right? Like yeah. it, it's a, it's a challenging, challenging thing to almost repeat, right? For because sure. Because you, you've had those moments where you're like, man, if we can put this in a box and fast forward it to 300 days, it's over. For sure. But, but we- that doesn't happen. We felt that like that, that yeah. February could have gone to that like May, June, we start getting ourselves back together into a July Olympics. We, we felt great, but we had lot, all those factors you mentioned all just start to like get away from us a bit. And mm-hmm. we never, we were, and I think that was the biggest disappointment in the locker room afterwards. So again, we get to this weird scenario. We're still there. We're debriefing as a group. And, and I think ultimately that was the main sentiment of like, it just sucks that we weren't our best selves. So if we were our best selves and we finished ninth, then that's something. We got ourselves the Olympics and look at us. Our expectations are that we're here all the time. But I think our expectations and our reality was we were better than that. So it, it just mm-hmm. didn't end the way it just, and it, 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 like I said, there's people, people coming back. You're like, okay, we get a chance to learn from this. And people that played that and then could return and play at the World Cup and finish fourth, you had a chance to grow from those things and get some redemption. That's almost a great story in itself. Mm-hmm. Um, but some people didn't. And those are the ones where you're like, ah, there's some people there like him that have put in a lot of time to get us here to earn these expectations. And then we didn't show our best self mm-hmm. uh, in your last go, which is like another disappointing moment. <laughs> it's the grueling part of sport, right? It's not yeah. an easy thing to do. It's not for everybody. So yeah, so good, true. Refl- good reflection, man. Great answers. Love it. Oh, thanks. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> Okay, let's get into it here, though. Let's find some real stuff about life. Real like, stuff. Um, yeah, man. Like, you know, you got kids. I don't know if they're into cereal or whatever, but for you, what's the greatest cereal of all time? Oh, cereal. Okay. I loved cereal growing up. I I need it all. I need it all. My kids now are into like the chocolate ones, which is not me. Okay. But what I liked as a kid was Wheaties. And we had the slogan caught in our family. So did you dump the sugar on it? 
or yeah, just straight up? Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So we yeah. were into like the what was it, the cereal of champions? What was this one? Then we used to like cut the cereal box out, stick people's yeah. faces on it, and mail. Yeah. we didn't have Photoshop back then or Instagram. No, no. <laughs> so like to we had to mail it to our cousins to be like, ah, look at this, you know. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the cereal was like into our like ribbing amongst the family too. So that was for sure the favorite. <laughs> wow. Cereal turned into an actual thing. That's amazing. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Are you books or movies? Oh, I think since I now have the kids, I do a little bit less of both, <laughs> but mm-hmm. I do read right now. We get some time on planes and that, and I'm reading Built to Move right now by Kelly Starrett, and I'm trying okay. to keep myself healthy and moving around as I age, make sure that uh, if I have grandkids, that I'm still out there playing around with them too. So just trying to find ways to tweak my lifestyle. So I'm actually reading it for the third time, just trying to continue oh, okay. to pick up some things of how I what I do to counteract how much sinning I do and other pieces that life throws at us. Sure. Do you have another, any other books like that, that you, uh, go back to? Uh, so he yeah. has the two that I read, which is the yeah. built to move. And then the supple leopard, those are the two that I'll, I'll read often. And then okay. usually I don't read things a second time after that. Yeah. I like the excitement of new things. Sure. Nice. But I do like, um, they call them self help books. Like, yeah planning, organization, being productive. These are the ones that usually draw me. Yeah, yeah, sure. Fair enough. Especially because, you know, you get into that, you know, for you, your lifestyle now and what you've, the the career path that you have is like, you're either home for extended periods of times or it's, you're busy for extended periods of times and finding the time to like, make sure all that's valuable and mm-hmm. still be husband and still be dad, right? And it, and it's true. I think, you know, I'm trying to tell these kids that are younger that we coach, it's like, the sooner you can sort of, make plans and figure out a structure of your life, the better off you'll be, you know, but they, I mean, they're just young, right? They just fly by the seat of their pants and I'm like, you'll get it one day. Like the rest of us. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, Who have been some of the most important people in your life? Can I do, I think like my wife, Vivi has your episode, buddy. You do this. Yeah. I can go whatever I want. want. I got like, I got a a life one and a basketball one. Then if I can answer it too, I I don't know if you'd accept these answers. I think she's been. Um, we'll delete. We'll delete it out. Who the most yeah, important people in your life? You like yeah, <laughs> he's been 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 one for sure. I think she pushes me. We are not cutting your wife out of the episode. I'll tell you that. <laughs> she won't yeah. know. It'll be fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, I think she pushes me in areas where where maybe I I wouldn't normally take some of the risks or do things. She's she pushes me there, and I think she is fairly aggressive most times of pushing me, but knows the moments too where I need a little support or like good job. So. Mm. I do appreciate the balance she gives there. Amazing. But I think if I were to say basketball wise, it's really tough because there's a lot of people that have had such an impact for me. But if I were to narrow it to one, I, the one that jumps to me right away is Brian Heaney. And he was my first AD at Acadia. And no way. Yeah. Yeah. It's a legend yeah, so right was, there, man. That wow. It was really cool. And for the good and bad, well, actually all good, but the bad being like sometimes living it. I mean, A, he gave me a shot when I probably didn't deserve it for a school like Acadia, um, but but he did. And I and I really appreciate that. But second is he, I, I think he had a lot of passion for the program. He played there and it, at that in that era, he played there and, and ended up getting himself to the NBA. So like he saw it as like a huge element of his life as well. And he had very fond memories and he had a lot of... Um, vested interest in getting the program going, um, mm-hmm. you know, with him back and his name as the AD, he's like, you got to win. Um, but 
he taught me a lot. He gave me a lot of lessons. Um, he also was really tough on it, but some of those lessons I took in the moment, they had a lot of great from them. And some of them as times passed have like grown on me too, like stuff that he has shared. And I find myself using lines that he used with me as I was going. I was like, oh, this guy really did shape me. And I remember when he hired me not to like go to it, but he had no, said, he had said, um, in the meeting when he called me in, like we're gonna give you this opportunity, he had said, I don't think you're ready, but I think you know, your team's here and you're here and I'm going to push you faster than you're going to push them. So you're going to be ready in time. That's <laughs> like, <Wow>. okay. <laughs> and at the time I was like, you know, your ego's a little bit like, come on, man. But, you know, mm. looking back, I was like, no, he was right. And and it worked out, it worked out great. He, he pushed. I love that, man. And for those that don't know the name, Brian Heaney, I mean, we got a guy out here, he coaches high school, his name's Jeff Gurley. He played at St. Mary's in the seventies and he, yeah, he still views Heaney as like one of his, he references, he'll text, we text each other all the time. He'll reference Heaney once a week to me. And was, we're talking like 40 plus years later, you're on the show talking about his mentorship for you, right? He was incredible. He, he mm -hmm. really was. I mean, he's one, like, yeah, he had a lot of really great perspective, ways of looking mm -hmm. at things. And I, I bet he was a tremendous coach. Mm -hmm. I bet. Yeah. I, I got him in a different role, but I bet yeah. he was too. That's awesome. Love that, man. Um, okay, you get some quiet time. It's, uh, you get the babysitter. You got the best seat in the house, the best venue ever, whatever your choice is. What concert are you going to? And uh, if you have more than one, let us know. Mm. You know, the music's changed, I think, throughout yeah. the generations. Everyone always hates that and always makes you sound old. But I think it's just like true. Everyone just, whatever we yeah. like in our generations. But yeah, I think... I agree. I think I would... I think I would lean to, I wish I'd seen Michael Jackson. I feel like he was incredibly talented, but also was like a pioneer of like turning it from like just singing to like entertainment too. Mm -hmm. I think he, and it's probably downplaying some other people that did that, but I felt like he really brought it to like the modern era of like entertainment as a concert. And also was like, but I'm extremely talented and like my skills and committed to the fine details. I think he was like a, Kobe type personality for music. Like I want everything correct, but also and like today's music is is a is a plus is is very entertainment based. Like you come yeah. there's a show to entertain you. And I think Michael yeah. Jackson did both of those things. So I would have liked to have seen that in person. I don't know how many episodes you've listened to. It's got to be getting close to like fifty percent of people mentioning him, <laughs> which is crazy. Like because we've had all we've had. It ages you know backgrounds doesn't matter it's yeah i think you nailed it with your answer it's so true and it's not like i don't think you're downplaying i think just he really was the first one the dancing you know the fireworks the element yeah. had it had it all right yeah for all this yeah, yeah. commercials yeah we're old enough now to remember all this okay <laughs> <laughs> now you're gonna take this however you want could you could do it like maybe you're the coach and I know you're going to have a hard time picking five players, or maybe you have an answer. I, I can see that you're reading. You've got some notes on your board. I like this. Um, that's the accountant in him. He came prepared. Not everybody does. Some people just fly by like it's the first time they've heard it. So do you have an answer for this question? Because I was going to tweak it for you, but I thought, nah, man, I want to see where he goes with this. So you, laptop. <laughs> yeah. What do you got? What do you got for us? Come on. Like it takes some players. Well, on the question, you and prep me that there could be a coach too, right? Yeah. So, okay. So if I'm taking a coach, 
I'm yeah. taking Noel Quinn. I think she's just close enough to being done playing that she's still going to score some points for me. So I'm taking, I'm taking her. <laughs> but I had a few players that I was like, I think it'd be really cool. A, I recognize I have no business being on the on the court with these people, even in a pickup game. But I think Kim Gauthier, Kim Smith uh, was, I think it'd be really cool just to be her teammate. Her leadership, her work ethic was, um, I've never seen anything like it. It was just, it, it was also my welcome to the senior moment. I think the very first practice I went was before I'm on a rabbit hole again here. And I apologize on you. Love it. Nope. The very first practice I show up, they're like, here you are. This is the team. And they were getting ready at that stage. We were getting ready to go to the world cup. So the mm. 2014 world cup in Turkey. And Kim was coming back from like a sprained ankle and she was on a stationary bike, not able to practice that day. So Kim did her bike workout and prehab and all the stuff that she had to do basically to start of practice. When the practice itself got to a live session, Kim on her own desire would just sprint whenever it was live play as hard as she could go. And then when coaches were talking, she would get into the coasting stage. They go back to sprint or live play and she just sprinted. And I, A, <laughs> I'm like, Oh my gosh, I've been on a, I've been on an exercise bike before and it's never looked like that, but also you did it for like a two and a half hour practice at the intensity that it's just, it, it's, it's Kim to me. And, and I think she's been incredible in her transition of like getting the younger generation coming up, passing on the values. She's been incredible in delivering in moments that we needed, but I'll never forget this side of her, like the work ethic. And she also delivered my other like best moment of coaching. The first thing I got to do on court uh, with the senior team was the same camp, but later, and it was essentially Lisa had a pretty good plan of like what she wanted to do with about eight of the athletes. Mm -hmm. So it was like, I think Shawnee did one basket, Bev might've been one. And Lisa was like overseeing. And then she's like, Steve, there's, there's a few that really, they can just shoot. Like, why don't you work on like finishing over like a defender and you just hold the thing up. And I was like, okay, yeah, we can go do that. So basically it's like a shooting mm -hmm. thing. My first thing that makes sense. So like, okay, great. So I went over, I was like, we're going to do finishing over a defender. And Kim's like, this makes no sense. Do you know what you're doing? I don't finish in traffic. I make shots. <laughs> I'm like, I'm so intimidated right now, but okay. <laughs> you're like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, we had to like fake it. Like, come on, do the drill, but like get through it. But I was like, huh. but you're right. But you're right. Like, you're like, this yeah, is yeah. not what I do. I need to work on getting this shot. I was like, okay. <laughs> okay. That is gold. So. Yeah, for her. I'm digging her for sure. Okay. I had Bridget Carlton on there next. Um, I thought one thing I really appreciate with Bridget is her IQ. I think she figures and problem solves stuff for everybody else. And I think if she's mm. going to be on a team with me, we're going to need a lot of that. So figure out the mistakes I'm making and try and make it look <laughs> a little bit better. <laughs> she's got other assets, but this is the one I want to pull. Um, the other one I had was Nayo, who's another BC girl. So I got two yeah. in there. Yeah. And Naya was incredible for us. Friend, a friend of the podcast. She's a, she yeah. was an incredible player for us in so many things, but I picked her for none of those reasons. I picked her because I've seen her in the heat of our most tense moments and she's stone faced all the time. So I'm like, this is good. Really? You keep me calm. Nothing seems to phase you. I've seen her battling through injury, through tough games, through our great times. And I think the most I've ever seen is a smile. So I'm like, mm. and then she's playing off court. Yeah. Incredible. But yeah. In, in game mode. I'm like, this is what we need to keep us focused. Okay. And then the last one I picked was Letitia. And I, mm. I really have a respect for Letitia's 
willingness. And I think you touched on this earlier. I, I think she's really willing to do whatever it takes to win. So this pickup team we have, you know, if I can find a way to hide in the background, it, it might win. So mm-hmm. I think Letitia will fill the roles that it takes to win. I think she's winning is always her priority. And I really, I really appreciate that about her. Love it. Dude, that, that was, you really, you were ready for that. I love it. <laughs> I was Straight. ready. I was ready. Yeah, you I were, you broke that down. No, yeah, you were prepped <laughs> for that. Um, all right. So when you get subbed out of this game, which will probably be early on, yeah. <laughs> um, what bag of chips are you going to eat while you're watching? Oh, I don't eat chips. I don't like chips. I probably eat nuts. Did you listen uh, to Kim's episode? I did. Yeah. But I'm Legendary. not as healthy as her. I'll or, do like oranges. A she says celebration mix. I'll do like, I, I like chocolate really, in it, but like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really like chips. I like oranges. I've, I almost fell over. I was down. I'm like, Wow. <laughs> This is why, yeah. This is Kim. Like I told you before, her Mm -hmm. commitment level, her dedication is unparalleled. It's incredible. So you'll do like, like, okay, you go in like cashews, the whole, the mix jar. Like, what do you like? I like the mix. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Mix. What are the big, what are those big freaking gross ones though that nobody likes? There's something in that mix. like the macadamia ones or something? Yeah. yeah, (laughs) Like I like a macadamia chopped up a little bit, but it's like, those are like the pretzels in the. Yeah. They're the the bag fillers, right? They just like fill the bag up for you. (laughs) hundred percent. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. We we travel around. We land anywhere we land. I usually try and find a grocery store to get some sort of nuts for the. the, There you go. Nice. Nice. All right. So uh, if you could have. Is there a hidden talent that you have out there? Um, this is a new question. So let's uh, listen. This is a safe space. I am not afraid of my errors. All right. I messed up. I hit stop on the recording. We're going to throw this in. The, the serial question and the hidden talent are new ones. So I'm off my rhythm here. So thank you. Thank you. What is I your hidden talent? Share. Let's my go. He's talent. ready. Yeah. You should yeah, have called me out earlier. I- this is even better though. I love it. I love it. I thought you got it. You knew it wasn't that special. Like this no. isn't that good, man. <laughs> I know your talents. It's not worth it. No. <laughs> Never. What do you got? Uh, I can I can speak uh I can speak Mandarin. So my wife's Chinese. I've been learning self-taught now for about six years. I've gone through uh the humbling process and my kids oh. learn way quicker than I do, but I think I can speak well enough. Oh, cool. to so survive. she speaks it in the house? She does. Awesome. So and good I can for the speak kids' brains. To survive, yeah. But I think by listening, I'm still at the stage where I translate everything. So people hear me talk and I can gather early conversations like, hey, what's going on? Where are you from? Then they mm-hmm. start talking really fast and I get slowed down trying to translate everything to English, which I know is not the right approach, but mm-hmm. it, that's the stage I'm still. So that's my hidden talent. So like if you're bored, do you just like sit on the couch and try to like talk to your wife and she's like, get lost to speak to me in English. I can't deal with you right now. Or how does that work? That is, yeah. that is how she does that. Yeah, yeah. She doesn't do it. I, instead my approach has been she's like, there's apps out there, babe, get out of here. Yeah. Yeah. This is apps. And I watch, you know what I watch, which mm. is like also humbling, but like when we do our travel, I watch uh, cartoons because cartoons keep oh. the content. It's repeatable. You can follow the storyline pretty easy. So it allows me to, to hear so that's been probably like simpler words too like the dialogue's pretty low-key it's like exactly basic conversation yeah (laughs) yeah so i watched the cartoons in mandarin is when we travel (laughs) that's amazing there we go see this is great i'm glad you brought it back yeah thanks for having (laughs) (laughs) now listen you've put me in contact with enough good connections but is if there's someone out there that you think that you'd be willing to connect us 
on the hoops journey that has a great story. Who do you think that might person be? But if you want to say, you know what, Mitchell, listen, pal, I've connected you with enough. I'm done. No. I, I respect that too. But um, no, I want more. I think it's great. I love the platform getting some voice. I'm happy to help a bunch. But one I was thinking of was Lizanne Murphy. And I think she's, Liz is just like great story. I thought, again, this is more Allison's era. I, I was have, I was fortunate to catch the end of her career, but she went from like a walk on basically to an Olympian. And I think during that time, it was like the French MVP. And I think she became really essential to what that group was doing and changed the culture. So um, I, I would vote for, I think she's a fun story. I think she's a really fun personality. So, and then she's now with the Olympic committee. So I think she's still got a lot of oh, no uh, way. Uh, cool connections. Yeah. That's dope. Yeah. I'd vote for her. I can help. I can help connect that. See if we can make it happen. My man, this guy's big time. I love it. Um, <laughs> listen, dude, I think, <clears throat> One of the things that I've really just loved about doing this podcast is either meeting new people, reconnecting with people. And, and I just love the way basketball shapes people and how journeys come and go. And I think your story is fantastic. It's so fun. I mean, we're like 20 plus years later from the brand, yeah. days, man, which like for me, I, I have to remind myself sometimes I'm like, well, I'm 46, right? Like it, it doesn't feel yeah. that long ago for me. Like I, I try to just really enjoy life and take it a day at a time and it doesn't feel that long ago. But when you think about where we were in our lives and just trying to figure stuff out on a daily basis, I was trying to get my degree and you're coaching the women and then the men. I think it's so cool, man. And um, yeah. I'm really, I'm really glad you're able to sit down and, and share your story. I think it's a fantastic one. I know you kind of like brushed it off a few times and whatever, and you've obviously got a busy life and things coming and going, but I think there's so many great things to learn and take away, especially for young coaches in our country. Um, and what you've been able to carve and do in your career is phenomenal, man. So I, I think you give that. yourself some props and, and I know there's still so much more to come, but health, happiness to you and your family, any kind of last thoughts, reflections, ideas um, before we let you go. This has been so fun, man. It's it's great. I love the power of this stuff. It's super fun. Yeah, it is really cool. And basketball is a, a fun vehicle that keeps us connected. And I said, mm. Brandon was a really formative time for me. It's probably the time where I went from just like enjoying basketball to like this is something I want to spend like my life doing. And it was a great connecting spot for us. It was a hotbed mm. for a lot of uh, experiences for myself. And Brandon's a great spot for basketball. It truly is. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, I think it's relatively unique in our, in our country. So it was cool to have land there, but mm -hmm. thanks for having me on. Uh, I've enjoyed your podcast. I follow, like I said, there's been a lot of people that I know and some people that I don't know that are in the basketball that I feel like I should know. So it, it was a great chance to hear some of their stories as well. And, and some of the people you've had on are like, players from an era when like, I started coaching and now they're moving into the next stage and, and it helps me feel a little bit older too. <laughs> <laughs> I love like, it. I remember you playing U17 and here you are now like finishing up your pro career. You're like, okay, yeah. I'm a little older than I like to pretend. <laughs> <laughs> it is a good slap in the face. And then, you know what? Uh, the minute you start to feel yourself like you're young, your kids will quickly remind you that you're not as well. So. Yeah, yeah, this is so true. <laughs> yeah. Now, listen, thank you for all your effort. Thank you for everything you've done for basketball in our country, um, both on the men and, and women's side. And I'm super proud of you. And I, and I think it's phenomenal what you're doing with the women. And we want to see you keep pushing. And, and uh, you know, we want to see a medal, a high medal at the Olympics one day. And I know that we'll get there. And I know with great people like yourself and the staff that you work with and, and the women that you get to see every single day that will make it happen. So continued blessings to you, man. Keep it going. All the best for 2024. And um, yeah, keep it rolling, buddy. Yeah. Thank you so much.
a phenomenal episode. I think people will need to go back and kind of just revisit a few of the things because there's so many great takeaways about building connections, stories, um, what it takes to become a coach in our country. Episode 216. If you're still with us, thank you. Thank you to our sponsors. And sorry, 126. I've got dyslexia. Is that the one? Anyways, let's get out of here. We got our last weekend before it's back to work. Thank you to our sponsors and we'll see you on the next one. Thank you.